the hammer, chapter two. Corvin pressed himself against the damp wall of the tunnel and peered into the gloom. The foul smell of the beast lingered in the air. It was up ahead in the darkness, waiting for him to betray his location. The shadow shifted, and a hulking shape swayed from side to side at the far end of the passage. Too afraid to breathe, Corvin slipped back around the corner and out of sight. The way out was somewhere nearby in the jumbled maze. Trying another tunnel, he inched forward in the murky light to where a jagged fracture broke the cavern floor. Musky fear filled his mouth as he searched the darkness overhead. A translucent green rope dangled over the void just out of reach. The rustle of scales on rocks set his heart pounding. A glance over his shoulder revealed an enormous black shape sweeping towards him, red eyes piercing the shadows. Corvin leapt off the edge, grabbed the rope and climbed. A roar filled his ears as the creature's fetid breath rolled past him, propelling him upward toward the rock shelf above. This time he would make it. His breath came in ragged gasps as his sweaty hands slipped on the rope. He heaved himself higher, but the rope stretched and dropped him back toward the open jaws. He gripped the rope even tighter, but it squirted out like jelly between his fingers, and he hurtled into the darkness. Corvin sat bolt upright in his bed and wiped the sweat from his brow. Had he called out in his sleep? He listened, but there were no sounds from the house below. A shiver crawled up his spine. Pulling his knees up, he wrapped his arms around them and gazed out the window. An owl hooted in the trees, and a shadow flitted between the boulders of the castle rocks. It could be that the large lizard did not like the heat of day and did its hunting at night. That would explain why he had only seen it at twilight during the summer. There was only one way to know for certain, and a nighttime hunt for the mysterious reptile in the familiar safety of the castle sounded much more attractive than going back to bed and facing dreams of caves and monsters. Besides, there was no school tomorrow. He could sleep in. Pulling on his jeans and t-shirt, Corvin crept down the stairs through the kitchen and out the back door. Swirls of dust rose between his toes as he moved past the outhouse and onto the worn path leading to the rock. A coyote barked at a moon ringed by dark clouds. Approaching the rock, Corvin left the path and circled around just inside the tall stalks of ripening grain. He needed to be downwind to avoid alerting the creature if it were out. His heart beat faster. He'd never seen it up close. Finding the water channel cut into the west side of the rock, Corvin dropped to all fours and crawled forward, hidden inside the smooth walls. The lone coyote barked again, closer this time. Corvin flattened himself against the cool stone. He could handle one coyote, but had no wish to run into a pack alone in the dark. He listened intently, but there was no answering call. Instead, he heard the click of sharp claws on rock heading directly toward him. Corvin lifted his head above the edge of the channel. A shadow detached itself from the protection of the castle rocks and ran his way. The lizard. It was trotting alongside the water channel on its hind legs, its eyes glinting in the moonlight as it looked over the field. He had nothing to catch it in. How could he have been so foolish? Very close now, the lizard ran alongside the worn channel leading down to Corvin's hiding place. It was almost upon him when it abruptly veered off and disappeared down into the wheat. Corvin waited. It hadn't seen him, so it might come back the same way and this time he'd be ready. Slipping out of his t-shirt, he tied the neck shut with the sleeves. It didn't look big enough to catch the large reptile. What if it ripped it to shreds? What if it ripped him to shreds? He could run to the house to find something stronger, but this might be his only chance to prove he was not a liar. He flattened himself into the smooth channel and waited. The minutes crawled by as dark shadows of clouds moved across the rock and launched out into the sea of grain like an armada of pirate ships sailing away in the night. A brilliant flash illuminated the open prairie. Thunder rumbled overhead. In the deep silence that followed, Corvin heard a sharp hiss. 
He rolled onto his side to find the bright eyes of the lizard watching him intently from the edge of the channel just behind him. It dropped a small bundle and moved slowly up the slope towards him, its gaze fixed on his. The lizard was so close he could see the intricate blue markings on its chest and a black collar around its neck. He hadn't noticed that before. Was it someone's pet? In a moment it would be close enough to strike. The lizard's claws scraped against the rock. It hissed and clicked in angry tones. He tried to holler at it, but nothing came out. The lizard paused and raised its nose to sniff the air. Out of the shadows, a coyote sprang from the field and rushed up the slope toward the lizard. Corvin shouted a warning, and the reptile twisted about and evaded the attack. The coyote skidded to a halt just in front of Corvin, whirling about and sprang. The lizard rolled to one side, its front claws raking the lean face. The wounded coyote yelped and stopped to wipe a paw over its torn nose. In that moment, the lizard ran up the slope and disappeared into the circle of rocks. The coyote shook its head and leapt after it. Corvin listened to the growls and snarls from inside the castle. If the coyote killed the lizard and dragged it away, he could never prove he wasn't lying. In desperation, he darted inside the ring of rocks, waving his arms over his head and yelling at the coyote, now digging furiously in the dirt next to the central boulder. It turned and crouched, snarling and weaving its head from side to side. Bubbles of saliva dripped from its black lips. Rabies! Corvin stepped back. Resisting the urge to run, he waved his hands over his head to make himself appear larger. The angry growl gave way to a whimper. Rabbit animals were more aggressive. Fear shone in its eyes. It stumbled out of the castle rocks and disappeared in a flash of lightning. A blast of thunder rolled across the darkening prairie. Drops of warm rain fell on Corvin's bare torso as he walked back to where he dropped his shirt. Lightning crackled, illuminating a small bundle of wheat on the ground. Picking it up, he discovered it was a dozen or so short stalks that had been neatly tied with a leather thong. Animals can't tie knots, he told himself. He walked back up to the rocks and set the strange bundle down so he could untie his sleeves and tug his shirt over his head. A spatter of rain fell on his upturned face. Dark clouds boiled in the sky above. The rain would be good for the crops, but this storm might turn into hail, maybe even a tornado. It was time to get back to the house. He reached for the strange bundle of wheat. It was gone. Across the castle, a shadow disappeared beneath the large boulder. The lizard had returned for its prize. The wind rushed past him in strong gusts as the temperature quickly dropped off. A blast of rain whipped around his ear, and he made a dash past the central rock for the fort he and Kate had built on the north side of the castle. Corvin ducked inside and squinted out the doorway at the light bulb on his back porch. He was about to make a run for it when the clouds burst and sheets of driving rain obscured his view. The tattered tarp overhead whipped about in the wind and dripped water on his head. Corvin backed away from the door, found the driest corner, and hunkered down to watch. A storm this hard never lasted long. The rain pounding on the roof of the fort began to mix with the intermittent patter of hailstones. The walls swayed in the gales of wind, and water whipped into the open doorway. Huddled in the corner, Corvin watched the water flowing into the pool filling up next to the large stone in the center of the ring. Before the water could reach the channel heading down the west side of the rock, it flowed into the hole the coyote had dug into the dirt piled up against the closest side of the large rock. The hole collapsed, the water rushed in, and a column of bubbles shot into the air along with the strange sheaf of wheat. It bobbed on the surface of the water and swirled slowly about amidst the hailstones. Corvin stumbled out of the fort and splashed his way to the edge of the pool. Crouching, he blinked against the driving rain and stared into the swirling water. The bundle of wheat came closer. More large bubbles burbled out of the coyote's hole. The water gurgled, 
and then a whirlpool like a bathtub drain began spinning around, whisking the sheaf of wheat away from his grasp. Splashing into the pool on his hands and knees, he reached for the wheat, but it whipped around in two quick circles and disappeared into the water funnel. Corvid thrust his hand after it, and his numb fingers jammed painfully against a slender rock. He felt around its polished surface and up to a series of angular edges. It felt like a huge quartz crystal, the perfect addition to his rock collection. He tried to pull it out, but the crystal was jammed tightly between two thick slabs of rock. The water was rising and lapping at his chin, but he had to pull the rock out before the rushing water carried it away. He tried to push it free, but his hands slipped off the object and he fell hard, painfully jamming his elbow in between the two slabs and trapping his face under the water. The mud filled in around his trapped arm and the freezing water rose over the back of his head. His lungs screamed for air and he frantically pushed against the bottom with his free hand. The slick mud around his elbow abruptly let his arm slide free and he stumbled from the pool gasping and choking. Corvin's body shook and the entire mound of rock shuddered with him as a rumble of thunder echoed in the stone below his feet. The swirling vortex vanished and the freezing water rose around his legs tightening the muscles in his calves into excruciating knots. Lightning crackled around him and Corvin stumbled down the slope and raced for home. Thunder crashed as he tore open the screen door, the low rumbles thrusting him up the stairs and into his room where he stood by his bed, dripping and staring out through the gray curtain of rain at the castle rock. The numbness in his injured arm gave way to a growing warmth. Under the coating of sticky mud, he still clutched the thing from the hole. Heat throbbed in his hand. The muck between his fingers steamed and prickled as if tiny spiders were crawling between them. He flung the thing into the corner of the room. It thumped off the wall and landed in his wastebasket with a dull clank. Corvin slumped down against the side of his bed, his eyes fixed on the corner of the room, where a thick trail of mud snaked down the wall and into his garbage can. There was a large dent in the thick metal rim. His spine tingled with the realization he'd almost drowned to retrieve whatever was in that can. Cautiously, he crawled over and then pulled the can to his bed for a closer look. Whatever it was now lay below the dirty, crumpled papers. In the panic of being under the water, his mind must have played tricks on him. He'd probably just picked up some old bone. Moving the papers aside, he peered into the wastebasket. The mud that had coated the object now formed a halo of dry, gray crumbs around a small hammer that was so black it seemed to absorb the light around it. Corvin leaned in closer. Over the drum of rain on the metal roof, he could hear a low hum. He pulled the wastebasket closer. The noise was emanating from the hammer and being amplified by the tin walls of the can. He inched a sweaty hand into the trash can. The sound intensified and the pitch dropped, but when he touched the handle, it fell silent. Wrapping his hand around the smooth handle, he lifted the hammer out. It was so beautifully balanced, he could hardly believe it was in his hand. Smoothing out a spot on his bedspread, he laid the hammer down. It sank deeply into the quilt and against the yellow and white triangles looked even darker than before, like a velvety black hole cut into the cloth. Corvin knelt on the floor to examine the hammer more closely. It was all one piece of black stone with no seams between the head and the handle. The head had seven distinct sides, a heptagon. Miss Thompson would be proud he remembered the name of the unusual geometric shape. Picking it back up, he turned it over and examined it carefully. There were faint markings on the bottom of the handle. He would need his magnifying glass to check them out. As Corvin stepped past the window toward his shelf, the hammer pulled on his hand, turning his body like a magnet around to the north. As he raised it toward the window, pulses of energy from the hammer coursed through him in dizzying waves. It needs to go back. 
The sound of his own voice speaking those words startled him, and a surge of fear overwhelmed him. His vision swirled, and in a haze he stumbled past his washstand and fell face down onto his bed. As his pulse slowed and the nausea eased, Corvin rolled onto his back, opened his eyes, then clamped them shut again. The room was still crawling slowly around him. Blindly, he searched under his blankets and pillow. There was no hammer. He lay back and waited for his stomach to settle. Opening his eyes a crack, he found the dizziness had passed and dawn was breaking outside. The back screen door banged, and over the hum of rain he could hear his father washing up on the back porch. The smell of bacon wafted into his room. It had been a long time since they enjoyed a real breakfast. Corvin, Mother called from the foot of the stairs. Food's getting cold, and make sure you wash your hands. Corvin stepped over to his wash basin and stood staring down at a black shape that seemed to float above the shallow water. He had dropped it in as he stumbled back to bed. He dipped his fingers on each side of it and the small waves were absorbed by the black stone and the water grew still. After the strange events of last night, he had no desire to pick it up. He needed more time to figure this all out. Wiping his hands on his jeans, he shut his bedroom door firmly behind him. Father waited at the table, a mug of steaming coffee in his hands. He looked up at Corvin. You sure are getting hard of hearing these days. Must come from being outside in a thunderstorm. That makes two of you, Mother said as she brought a plate of pancakes to the table. His father patted her arm as she sat down. It's impossible to stay inside on a wonderful night like that. I might even enjoy farming if I could do it in the dark. Father passed the pancakes to Corvin. Do you remember running past me last night by the outhouse? Corvin's heart beat faster, but he tried to look nonchalant. Until he could figure out where the hammer came from, he wasn't going to share his discovery with anyone, not even his father. I didn't see you. I was right by the path when you came bolting by, father's brow furrowed. You looked like you'd been wrestling some poor creature out of a mud hole. What did you find this time? I didn't find anything. I just needed to get the mud off my hands. It looked like you were carrying something you found out on our rock, his father said. Corbin shoveled eggs and a piece of bacon into his mouth. Why was his father always so interested in everything that happened out at the rock? The castle was his special place, and his father rarely went there. He looked intently at his plate and speared another piece of bacon onto his fork. It was just the mud. I didn't find anything. He took a bite, but the bacon had lost its flavor. He quickly added a forkful of eggs. He was sure his father must know he'd lied again. It seemed like forever before his father spoke. This time he talked to Corvin's mother, suggesting they go to the city and pick up a few things. Corvin continued to shovel in food. He'd lost his appetite, but the only way to get out of his parents' presence was to finish eating as quickly as possible. Would you like to come along to the city? His mother asked. Maybe you could pick out something for your birthday. Just over a week to go until your big day. Corvin looked out the window. Instead, he would wait on the castle rocks until they left and then come back for the hammer. You're welcome to come along, his father said. But if you stay here, remember to stay out of the cellar. It's not your birthday yet. As soon as his parents began to discuss the trip to the city and what they could afford to pick up, Corvin took the opportunity to mumble a quick, Thanks, Mom, grab his rain jacket off the peg, and exit out the back door. The rain had tapered off to a light mist. Gray skies mirrored his feelings as he passed under the dripping trees and skirted the mud puddles on the path. He glanced back at his bedroom window. Where had the hammer come from? And why did he say those things and get so dizzy? He headed for the steep side of the rock. He wanted to get onto the top and out of sight as soon as possible. As Corvin walked into the ring, the screen door banged and he crouched down behind the rocks. Corvin, his mother called out, we're ready to go if you want to change your mind. He was sure she knew where he'd gone, but he stayed low and still. 
A few minutes later, he heard the truck bumping down the lane. He headed back towards the house. He needed help to solve the mystery of where the hammer came from and who might have left it there. Kate's mother would be at work, so Kate would have free time to help him. Corvin ran inside and sprinted up the stairs to his room. He stood a long while at the wash basin, admiring the hammer's cold beauty. Whatever it was, it was powerful, and if he learned how to use it, he could change how people viewed him. He would be in control and everyone would respect him. He was going to keep the hammer only for himself. He put his hands on the washstand. Why should I share you with Kate? I'm the one that found you and that means you're mine. He was glad now that he had not told his father the truth. His dad was only interested in him when he was asking about anything that related to the castle rocks. Otherwise, he just stayed out at the caves or worked alone in the cellar workshop. If he had to lie to his father to keep the hammer a secret, then so be it. He leaned closer. You belong to me now and no one can take you away. He reached into the basin and a blue glow lit up the bottom of the hammer shaft. Mesmerized, he wrapped his hand around the handle and lifted the hammer out to examine the glow. The faint markings glowed fiercely, and then a flash of electric blue light shot out from the end of the handle. He tried to drop it, but his hand refused to open. Corvin could only watch in quiet terror as the light grew stronger and hotter, twisting up around his arm and shoulder. It reached his face, and the crackling shaft slammed him away from the washstand and against the door. Collapsing to the floor, he listened to a swarm of bees buzzing around his room. He shook his head and opened his eyes. The sound was coming from his washstand where a column of steam rose from the basin. Corvin struggled to pull himself up against his bed, his right arm hanging limply at his side. Grasping the bedpost, he stood on his toes and looked into the basin. The water was gone, and the sides of the basin were scorched and warped. Flakes of enamel had cracked off its twisted side, creating a speckled ring on the washstand. He needed to get it out of the house right away. The thing must be radioactive, and now that he brought it inside, his family would all get sick and die. He stopped himself. That didn't make any sense, for it obviously had been stuck under the boulder in the center of the fort for a long time, and it had not made he or Kate sick from playing over top of it all these years. He moved a bit closer. The water was gone, and the steam had faded away. It definitely wasn't a native artifact. His father had collected a lot of those by the river caves, and they looked nothing like this small hammer. None of those ever glowed and certainly didn't have this kind of power. Could it have been left on his rock eons ago by aliens? Some people believe that Stonehenge was built by aliens, so maybe they made the castle rocks as well and had left the hammer behind as a gift. Regardless of where it came from, it must be able to sense his feelings for it had warmed his hand when he was cold and then shocked him when he was angry with his dad. It must be able to sense his anger and was only defending itself. He took a deep breath and stepped up in front of the basin. He actually wasn't mad with his father at all. It was more with himself for lying to his dad and not sharing his discovery with him. He raised his aching arm over the basin. The memory of the searing blue light made his heart stutter, but as his hand hovered over the handle, he instantly sensed that it was not going to hurt him again. He closed his hand around the shaft. There was a tingling sensation and then only the warmth of the stone. Carrying the hammer back to his bed, Corvin lay back and held it overhead. The hammer's warmth flowed down and the pain in his arm melted away. He brought it down onto his chest and a sense of peace wrapped itself around him like a warm blanket. Closing his eyes, he breathed deeply. He was exhausted from the long, sleepless night. As he faded into sleep, he felt his dream return, but this time, as he wandered through the caves, he felt at home in the darkness. The monster was gone, along with his fears. Just ahead, he saw a softly lit opening cut into the cavern wall. As he drew near, he saw it was a window, complete with a screen, identical to the one in his room. 
Was it the one in his room? Was he awake or still dreaming? The shadow of a lizard fell across the rusty metal mesh and a razor-thin claw thrust in at the top and tore its way down to the bottom.